Welcome to this episode of the Comedy Defects Podcast. My name is Winter, I'm a comedian, and this is my show. So welcome to the show, guys. This is episode 80 with a very funny Nathan Cassidy. I'm not going to talk too much about this episode because you'll hear it in its entirety. So I'm going to keep this intro very, very short today. If you want to donate to the podcast, you can. You go to Patreon, type in the Comedy Defect Podcast, donate as much as you feel this podcast is worth, or if you can't donate, just share your favourite episode. Tell me if you like these really short intros and outros, because I'm sure you probably do, because otherwise it just feels a little bit self-indulgent. But you can follow Nathan Cassidy on all the social media places, and he tells you about them at the end of the episode. And this is episode 80. Nathan Cassidy, he's a very funny comedian. Enjoy. Nathan Cassidy, thank you for having me in your house, and how are you today? I'm very good. Thank you for coming over from your <laughs> house, which is a million miles away. Oh, that's not that far. It's Hemsley, <laughs> man. You know, it's, it's north North London. That's what it is. You know. Yeah. So. I don't travel anywhere for anything, so I'm mm. very grateful. I did kind of make it look like it was a suggestion that you come over, but I never leave my house. If there's any gig, it has to be within 10 seconds of my house now. I'm very lazy. That's great. <laughs> we, um, and so, were you were out last night, you're looking a bit uh, tired. I'm going to be honest with you. I've just, had a, I've just had a shower. Right. I was eating last night. Fresh. fresh. Yeah, I work yeah. every night. <laughs> this is me at my best. No, I'm no. I look tired. Um, no, I, um, I've just had a shower quickly. I sure. was working on something this morning. Uh-huh. And uh, I tried to look respectable, but I've clearly failed because you just said I look. Oh, Nathan! Yeah, nice, nice, nice to see you. You look like shit. So oh, I, like good... to, I like to start strong, like bond with my guests. You've got a hat on, so I don't know what's yeah, under I know, there. But you could be hiding a multitude of hair sins. Yeah, I, I am. I am. That's what. I, that's what's happened. Yeah, where were you last night? <laughs> I was at Nice and Spiky hosting that. I do a lot hmm. of my new material at. Oh, it's a gig, you know, of course. Yeah on a Monday in Islington. So I do lots of uh, new material there and it's usually lovely to do new material. But last night, there was a perfect storm of uh, lots of comedians there. And it was, and I think, uh, without question, the worst audience there's ever ever been in any gig ever. They were lovely. They were very good comedians. Mm. But the trouble with very good comedians is they're sometimes very bad audience members Mm -hmm. because they're more experienced comedians Mm. at those new material gigs. They're not laughing at anything. (laughs) They're not even laughing at the really bad stuff, which Mm. I found really confusing. Mm. I'm like, at least laugh at the... Re- truly awful stuff because mm, mm. um, you're not going to laugh a car at crash you want to see that right <laughs> yeah. oh bur- this is bur- in straight into the wall yeah. and so kept going kept going but I couldn't really say anything because they were lovely people they were lovely comedians mm. they were lovely people yeah. they were just shit audience members oh. and as much as I dropped in a couple of times they were shit audience they were, they, they're not there to be audience members mm. they're there to be comedians so I had to say at the end you were very good as comedians, but the worst audience I've ever experienced. But, so just all in like, their heads going, oh, yeah, I, could, I see what you're trying to do there. But, yeah, yeah, yeah. And even when it's funny, it's like, yeah, it's funny, but... Mm. Yeah, I'm not going to give you anything. You gave me nothing, so yeah. I'm not going to give you... I'm, I'm only staying here because I, I don't... I want to stay in with a promoter because I don't want to seem like a prick. And then, you know, and now I feel bitter for staying. And, oh, great, I'm just making the night a whole lot better. Yeah, yeah. But, no, to be fair, like, uh, like you were resident MC at... Uh, as nice and spiky for yeah. the last few years. Anyway, like how many years you've been there? Yeah, yeah, quite a few years. We used to do it in Westminster. So yeah, that was I, a, I love that gig. I was talking to Stephen Carlin about that gig, and it was such a lovely room to yeah. try new material out in. And it's a shame it that it went under, right? 
Yeah, I mean, it's still there, the pub, and we're still in touch with the owner. I don't know quite what happened. I guess the owner changed hands for, yeah. from memory, but I may be totally wrong there. Yeah, they're usually really nice, because on Monday, people are just up for doing new material, and mm. uh, they're usually really nice in these small rooms, and it's where I do uh, all my new material, and can, it's, it's the reason that I can do a new show every year, gigs mm-hmm. like that on a Monday, mm. but mainly that gig, because yeah. I can put in 10, 15 minutes of brand new stuff off a bit of paper. Mm. And uh, yeah, Phil Collins as well, uh, and Phil Collins, yeah. yeah. <laughs> it's the reason I, um, yeah, it's the reason I'm so spectacularly successful. You ever done presenting as well? TV presenting? Yes. Um, I've done TV warm up. Uh. I've done what have I done? Um, yeah, I can't, th- I can't think off the top of my head. Cause my be... career is about seventy two <laughs> years now. So I'm trying to think back to. I'm talking about in my show at the moment. Um, I dipped into the circuit around the millennium, so around mm-hmm. two thousand, and then I had about nine years off. Um, you have to have a break. Nine yeah, years, yeah, yeah. After, after the first year, <laughs> and um, yeah, I've been back around ten years, so it's hard to remember everything I've done. But mm. uh, yeah, the TV warm up definitely, which felt like TV presenting, but mm. uh, not too much TV presenting. What's that like? Um, What's it like? Was it, is it fun to do? warm up? Yeah. Oh, it's hell. It's is it? Hell. Is it? Oh. It's, it's too far from my house. Number one, as I've uh, said. Yeah. <laughs> a minute and a half no it's fine it's fine it, all these jobs are fine what I love doing uh, are my shows and stand up so anything around that is just uh, you know I don't like quite as much but it's uh, no, absolutely fine yeah what's the what's the grueling part about it what, what, why is it so fucking just like a chore um, now I would you're putting words into my mouth I've just been listening to political interviews you're putting words into my mouth there <laughs> I haven't said that There's a partic- I'm looking for a sound bite okay just <laughs> yeah. let me get this yeah, sound yeah. bite yeah. <laughs> There's a particular interview on Radio 5 that won't let anyone answer a question. I feel like Mm. phoning her up and complaining, but of course then she'd just interrupt me and go, Mm. what are you complaining about? I'll go, let me get to the end of my complaint. I I feel like I'd tweet her and halfway through the tweet would cut out Mm. uh, because she's interrupting me. Anyway, Mm -hmm. um, no, I would not say it's gruelling. There are... I've changed my mind to a certain opinion on this recently. There are certain things, I think, when you're first starting your career in your first couple of years... You think, well, I don't necessarily want to do this because I don't enjoy it as much or I find it a chore, I find it Mm -hmm. grueling. So Mm. uh, the travel, you know, I'm joking there, but, you know, long distance travel Mm -hmm. or things that are maybe a bit more soulless. And, um, you know, even as much as kind of adverts and that kind of thing where I totally ruled that out in the past. Now I'm ruling them in more. I've just Mm. got a bit older and I don't know. These things become less important. (laughs) <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Desperate for money. Yeah, I'm I'm, 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 I mean, you know, I'm a handy man. I can, I can, I do a little bit electric, like a plug. I can change a fuse, <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. A light bulb. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Turning up for TV warm up. Do you need anything else doing? I can make tea. I can make coffee. Anything. Just give me an extra fiver. Yeah. No, of course, of course, money becomes important when you have twenty four children like I did. But um, no, it's it's just not ruling things out and not being so hasty with. I look at all opportunities now, even if it's something I don't want to do, I think, what could I get out of this, mm. you know? I've only got 30 years left on the planet, you know, <laughs> and that's, uh, you know, so I don't actually want to say no to things. I want to look for a reason to say yes. I will still say no to things if they're more than 10 minutes from my house, but um, <laughs> I will, um, I'll, I'll give yes more of a chance. Mm. That's, that's There's nice. your sound bite. That's nice. Nathan I like Cassidy that. gives yes more of a chance. <laughs> so, yeah, rather than peace. <laughs> yeah. but, uh, what, what's the top, maybe top three things that you would find solace? Mm. Wow. Top. This question, one. <laughs> <laughs> top three. 
Yeah, no, it's that's that's a hard thing to think of at the top of my head. Yeah. Do you know what? At the moment, which is going to be annoying for your soundbite, I'm yeah. feeling quite positive and happy at the oh, moment. Oh, great! So, so yeah. it's, it's quite difficult to think. Oh, that's rubbish, yeah. or. You know, yeah. I am feeling in an incredibly positive... If you'd interviewed me a year ago, <laughs> I'd have been a very different interview. I'd have gone, this is awful, this is shit. Uh, I'm in an incredibly happy space at the moment. What must cause this? Well, per- yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> per- I mean, personal life is good. So that's where personal life and family... I mm. mean, there's one or two things that have happened around my personal life in the last few years. So it's been up and down, but now it's right. been in a, it, it's in a good space. And family, we all have things that are up and down and... and I guess you never know what's going on in someone's personal life. I went to see Richard Gadd's play, mm. uh, Baby Reindeer, at the weekend. And mm. my goodness, I mean, everyone has heard how good it is. Yeah. But I think the, the, one of the lessons I learned from that is even if you think you know what's going on with someone mm. because you've read about it in the press, you won't, it's only when you get see a show like that that goes into the nitty gritty. And then you also, you know, I'm friends with him, so I can talk about him off stage mm. uh, in terms of one or two extra things. Oh my God! You just ne- you just never know what's going on with people. Mm. Um, yeah. So what's going on with me is that um, you know, I'm pretty happy at the moment mm. across the board with what I'm doing professionally in my personal life. So it's hard to think uh, of, <laughs> of anything negative. But hey, we've got we've got some time left in this interview, so <laughs> it will come. Don't 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 get me wrong. I'm a horrible bitter. Um, it will come out. Don't eventually. worry. Anyway. This is a mess. You started it in 2000, right? In the millennium. Yeah, 99. Was that like a, a, a New Year's resolution or something or <laughs> did you just go oh this is the year oh I mean we made it through my computer's okay now uh, <laughs> yeah, uh, yeah. let's do comedy no it was just before the millennium so it was something that I wanted to do from university and uh, mm-hmm. like all like a lot of stand-ups it took me a couple of years to um, to do it um, I went to university with Marcus Brigstock so oh. I would watch him yeah. do stand-up at university you know, I, I did theatre at university, I did writing and, mm. you know, I've heard a few comedians say that. You kind of like, oh, stand-up is something I will kind of want to do, but in the meantime, because it is a bit ballsy, I'll mm-hmm. write theatre. Theatre's my thing, mm-hmm. a bit of acting is my thing, but all the time I knew I was looking at people like Marcus and going, I want mm-hmm. to be that guy. Because yeah. Marcus was very, very good right from the start, very slick. He won the BBC New Award in uh, 1996. I'm mm. like, I want to be that guy. I mm. should have just started. It was mm. ridiculous not. Your your that. degree title was theatre and creative writing or something? No, like no, no. Uh, my degree was, uh, well, I did law for a year, then I dropped out because it was oh. too fucking difficult. Oh. Um, it wasn't difficult. It just took up too much of my time. And what I wanted to do was ponce around being a theatre <laughs> producer, Darling. writer at university. Mm. So that's what I became when I did psychology, which was a slightly... Oh. Uh, easier degree than law but I enjoyed it more and it gave me a little bit more headspace to do writing and theatre so I did a lot of writing and theatre and around the country while I was Mm. at university at the Edinburgh Fringe so my love for stand-up was there but it took me a couple of years Uh, so I moved to London Uh, I wanted to move to London because I wanted to do stand-up but still I wasn't really doing it and uh, from where well I was at university in Bristol but I lived in Birmingham I was Mm. born in Birmingham so yeah it took me a year or so but then yes I did my first gig at uh, Balham Banana mm. Cabaret, oh, yeah. a big first place wow. to do a gig. Yeah. And I was terrible, but I got one laugh for saying how bad it was going. And that's <laughs> all the laugh I needed to say, yes, thank goodness. I, f- I, knew, I always knew I wanted to do this. Yeah. And uh, I talked to other people about this, and I think I do do lots of other stuff. I do writing, directing, and mm. acting, and as you say, TV warm-up and whatever. But stand-up is... <clears throat> so 
referring to your earlier question, is like what's the kind of what's soulless and what's a chore? <laughs> Nothing soulless and a chore. But I think I'm a pure stand-up. I want to do stand-up. Mm. I love stand-up. Mm. It fires me. Mm. The gigs fire me. The shows fire me. Maybe even a little bit more. So everything else is just, you know, mm. enjoyable, but yeah. not as uh, doesn't put the fire in like it's, stand-up does. It's an additive. It's extra, isn't it? It really. Yeah. It's like every skill that you learn in stand-up, it translates to uh, like voiceovers, acting, yeah. uh, theatre. It's all there, isn't it? Yeah. And it's, I mean, more theatre, more more to, than than I guess um, TV acting because there's there's less going on with TV acting, isn't there? But theatre, you have to be big. You have to be uh, mm. lots of facial expressions, lots of keep the keep them give them a. a, a a visual display of what's going on, like emotionally. Yeah, I think every every art form can affect. I was talking to another stand-up recently about music, and I'm learning piano at the moment. Uh, it was Javier Costales actually, and uh, mm. you know, oh, one great. of my favourite stand-ups, absolutely brilliant. It's and just he's, so improv all the time, right? It's yeah, just can't, yeah, and he's a musician, and his stand-up is like sounds wanky, but it is like jazz, isn't mm. it? It's uh, it's free form. Um, and he's, you know, I was uh, talking to him the other day and he said, it's so great you're doing music because music does affect your comedy because whether you're just giving things a little bit more time mm. or you're just, you know, there's a different kind of level of thinking and spirituality mm. about what you're doing because you're listening to classical music and your mind is going in those directions. I really do think it does affect mm. your, your work and make it better, you know. When did you start doing your grades then? Because I saw your Instagram. Was it Instagram like little yeah. t- videos you did? Yeah, it's only been a couple of years. I've done four grades in probably a year and a half. I do try and do a grade every kind of six months. So I'm now I've got my grade five booked uh, for November the twenty seventh, mm. and so I need to spend the next three work three weeks doing scales and all the boring stuff which Great. I've avoided. <laughs> but yeah, I'm excited. But uh, I never get nervous. Never get nervous doing stand up comedy. But my goodness, I get nervous yeah. in those exams. My hands are shaking because I didn't do it as a kid. I did it briefly as a kid, but because I had 30 years at the piano game, mm-hmm. um, <laughs> my hands lock up yeah. and it's ridiculous. I'm almost laughing at myself yeah. about how nervous I get. And I feel sorry for any stand-ups that talk about the nerves that they get doing stand-up because mm-hmm. I wouldn't want that every night. But some stand-ups do get that every yeah. night. And uh, But yeah, it's nice to have a different experience where I'm totally out of my comfort zone. Mm-hmm. And I'm, yeah, shit at something and trying to overcome it. Your hands get stage fright then, like, right? Yeah, yeah. That's mad. Yeah, my mind is totally relaxed. Mm, I'm mm. looking at the examiner. They're all very, very friendly, lovely people trying to make you do your best. And I'm smiling at them, very relaxed. And then I look, you know, my hands are just complete. They're like two rocks. Mm. And I'm banging away at the piano. The last exam I did, it was totally embarrassing. I did Mm. pass. But I spent the first half a piece playing like Les Dawson, literally like Les Dawson, playing one note out. Because the thing is, you can't stop. Uh, If you stop, you lose five marks. Very technical, this. But so it's better to carry on. So if you carry on playing one note out, it's better than... So I played the whole half a piece. I can just imagine this examiner going, this is the first thing I did in the exam, going, what the fuck is this guy doing? But yes, I enjoy it. It's just like I guess like uh, like Howdy's like you go oh shit I've left that line out I yeah mean, just keep going don't don't stop don't fucking think about it you're gonna <laughs> yeah. forget you're gonna fuck everything up if you yeah. think about it that's with, it man. with comedy you can cover things with piano it's it's like juggling is it it's mm. it's either good or mm. it's shit yeah. and uh, unless you're an excellent pianist where you can cover things it's shit mm. if uh, you make a few mistakes you need a long hair isn't it to cover like where you're placing your hands <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> did you get a teacher to help you at the beginning or did you just go straight uh, my kids have a teacher um, so um, so yeah uh, I don't have a teacher but I listen in yeah. <laughs> it's like when you go on a <laughs> 
It's like when you go on a tour. <laughs> You're like, just going to press this record button, okay, yeah. on, the, on the, the cassette over here, right? Yeah. That's great. It's like a note for next time. That's yeah, it. yeah. It's going to set the video camera up on everything you're doing. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I mean, I don't want to play, play extra. This, I'm just paying one fee, okay? This yeah. is it's not well, extra. that's it. I pretend to do the dinner and stuff. <laughs> that's great. I'm just listening in, particularly, you know, my son's doing grade, um, whatever, he's doing the grade above me. So it's perfect. <laughs> I'm just making the dinner. <laughs> At two o'clock in the afternoon. Why are you making yeah, the dinner? Uh, yeah, that's great, son. Whatever grade you're doing there, uh, I'm just yeah, just that's fine. I'm, yeah, I just don't you don't yeah. don't move that camera. Just it's don't so move that expensive camera. though. Oh, I can't time. pay twice for the yeah. same lesson. Agreed. Agreed. Yeah. <laughs> so you're uh, so then you, you did the Ballam uh, Banana Cafe. Yeah. There. So that was uh, yeah, big gig to do your first mm. gig. Uh, it was time. a very different act then. I wanted to kind of improvise half my set. Mm. So that's why I like people like Javier Castales. You know, that's how I started. Mm. Um, uh, maybe he, not that he's particularly improvising, but he leaves the gaps and pauses for things to happen. Yeah. So, you know, Trevor Locke, all these guys, oh, yes, you know, yeah. I really, I really, I really like. So that's how I started. Um, but uh, the big clubs, they don't like that shit. No, no, that's it. It's <laughs> difficult, isn't it? Yeah. But I think now that it's, it's, it's an, I find that don't the audience now want to be the show? I found, you know, you kind of go up there and do your, your material. Like, I mean, I think that there's a, there's a I, I find this, right? There's an age limit between them just listening to your stuff and then being one of like if you're like within maybe 10 15 years of their age they're like right. okay why should we listen to this person this person needs to keep us entertained we are more or less the same as them this person needs to kind of keep us on edge a, a little bit i find rather than like um you know the like the okay the piece of people do, doing on the circuit for 30 years and they yeah. go oh this guy he's you know he's obviously older he's obviously you know he looks wizened and like you know uh, like a sage you know he walks on and goes uh, in a suit, kind of going, all right, guys, uh, you know, this is my story. And they go, oh, fine. Well, this person obviously has a story because they have been on this planet for a lot longer. Do you know what I mean? No, not <coughs> so, Are you not, saying there's an age gap theory. between the comedian and the audience theory. that is important? Or... No, no, not important, but a different dynamic of what mm. you need to deliver. Yeah, I don't, I don't know. I don't think it's about age so much in terms of it just makes it slightly trickier mm -hmm. of course stand-up is tricky mm. if you're playing to exactly your demographic mm. who remember all your references mm -hmm. i love the 80s <laughs> and if you give me a reason to drop in any 80s reference mm -hmm. and people who <laughs> like my stuff and my 12 fans that i have around the world are looking out for mm. that obscure 80s reference mm. that they enjoy so there's a particular comedian that loves me throwing in bill werbenick <laughs> as a reference um and i do it just for him when mm -hmm. he comes yeah, so it makes it trickier that people aren't remembering, <laughs> but you can't think uh, that you you're just going to play to a particular demographic. It, of course, uh, it's, it's, it's like animal, it's like a different animal every night, right? Yeah, yeah. But absolutely. I'm just, I'm just, I just the uh, maybe it's just my kind of like thought of like that the, they're older that the, there's a there's a sort of res automatic respect. Mm. Whereas like you know when you're younger maybe they go oh well you know okay you know they're just. It's like that, that kind of... And um, when the comedian gets older, you mean? Uh, yeah. You get more respect. Yeah. yeah. Um, I don't like getting older, particularly. Uh, <laughs> I don't think any of us do. But I think as a stand-up, hmm. it's nice to get older because you have more experience. You have more stage time, but you have more life experience. And you have a different way of looking at things than I didn't have. You know, hmm. things I've talked about in terms of only having 30 years left and stuff. It's, uh, I joke about it, but it's there. It's mm. a reality. Mm. Um, maybe it's not quite a reality. Maybe I'm being pessimistic, but you know what I mean? Mm -hmm. I, I did a show once called Date of Death, which, which is how your life will be different if you had a date of death as well as a, a date of birth. And I, so I almost have that in my head mm. as thinking, well, let's say 75 is the average. 
you know, so I've got maybe 50 years left because I'm 25 years old. <laughs> <You know? laughs> but it's only 30, 35 years or whatever. And, um, you know, so you've got to get on with it. And uh, it does colour your the stuff that you do and what you talk about. And, you know, it does give a little bit of depth to your material in your shows, yeah. hopefully. Yeah. I think I answered a different question at the Sense end of Sense of urgency. No, no, that's fine. Yeah. No, that's, that's it. Because it's, um, you know, you're right. It's, it's spot on. It gives, it, it gives it depth. The age, you mature. You, and you have more. Yeah. Uh, to draw from. Yeah, yeah, but and I mean, then... there are some remarkable stand-ups that uh, buck that trend. You know, Kitson, probably the mm-hmm. most famous in terms of the depth he had as a 20-year-old comic. Um, so, yeah, and there are some brilliant, you know, stand-ups like Tom Lucy, who started very, very young and, uh, you know, have that depth. But I think it's obviously easier the more, you know, the, one of the reasons I dropped out is I had nothing to say. So it's mm. uh, you, get, you see a lot of stand-ups saying this, that uh, they run out of things to say when they're young because I've grown up in a happy house. Mm-hmm. I've got nothing to talk about. So you do your first show where you get the whole material out because you've got an hour's worth of material from your childhood and just talking about normal things. But mm. then what else do I talk about now? So I went away for nine years and lived and got different perspectives and travelled the world and mm. did different things. And uh, yeah, so that's... Where'd you go? Did you go all over? I went, yeah, around the whole world. Um, yeah, I went across Russia on the Trans-Siberian Express, mm. which was... Uh, what an adventure that was uh, through China and uh, Asia, mm. through um, Australia and uh, across America. Yeah, it was mm. uh, it was great, and uh, I don't particularly talk about that, but I think I think a lot of the things I do now, we, whether it's music or whether it's travel or whether it's personal issues that I go through highs and lows, mm. it's not that you talk about them. This is what I do. Maybe I'm giving away my secret formula here. Mm. But this is something I've stumbled across recently that. A lot of time, I think people talk about things that have happened to them and try and make them funny, which is absolutely fine. Mm-hmm. Um, but I, I experience things and I think it colours the emotions of what I'm talking about. Mm. For example, if you go through a very low period, you know, which in, you know, in personal life, which I did do a couple of years ago, there was a, there was a tendency to talk about it specifically but it's very hard to make that funny. It's very mm-hmm. hard to make that a night out. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> it's like, and obviously there are shows and you know, Baby Reindeer being one, um, a great example, which is, oh my God, you know, five star reviews across the board. Of yeah. course. Sorry, but it made I, I, me, I haven't seen that show. Uh, it's about a, a stalker um, right. that he had, has. And I'm sure that's not a plot spoiler. That is, uh, that is what is reported everywhere. Mm. And, but my goodness, I haven't cried in a theatre piece or a stand-up piece. Mm. I can't remember. I burst into tears at the end. So yeah, for stand, you, you, you know, obviously that's a great experience to have, but for stand-up, not so good. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> possibly. Yeah. But there are some very, you know, saddened shows, and I've put some stuff in my shows in the past. Mm. But now I think I use the low points to colour material the other way. Mm. So you don't even mention them. You mentioned the fact if you've been at that low point and you've come out of it, the juxtaposition between those points, the fact that you're feeling so high now compared mm-hmm. to feeling so low, you can talk about something else <laughs> and try and give people an uplifting experience yeah. through the, just the emotion of what you went through. Yeah. Um, so again, music, travel, you don't have to talk about that specifically, but how was I feeling when I was playing that music? I was feeling more spiritual, so let's talk about that in my mm. material, yeah. you know? So basically just plumbing the depths rather than living there with the entire set, right? It's got to go, well, this is what it was, and let's have a look at that, and we can laugh at it now as in looking back sort of thing, right? 
Um, as I say, not talking about the the thing itself. But yeah, not just talking about the thing itself. Projecting that onto the material that you're doing. Yeah, yeah. Projecting it's projecting the mm. emotions. It may not be clear what I'm what I'm saying, <laughs> but uh, you know, in specific terms, if you go through a rough patch, a lot mm. of comedians will talk about that in mm. very minute detail, mm-hmm. and it will be funny because mm. it will, there'll be some tragic stuff that goes on there. But a different option there is to take the fact you were feeling low and are now out of that mess mm-hmm. to talk about something completely different mm-hmm. in a very positive mm-hmm. and uplifting way. Right, okay. And, um, and you know in your head what you're talking about. Yeah, yeah, right. The audience doesn't know. All the audience are finding is that you're coming at it from a, wow, this is uplifting. Where's mm. this feeling coming from? Mm. It's coming from actually something I'm not telling you. Mm. Interesting. So, a, yeah. a secret. So yeah, like, a, yeah. like a secret, uh, isn't that what it, they say? They, the, the, there's a, there's a, isn't there an acting method like that as well? Mm. That you have the there's a, you have the secret. You like you don't yeah yeah the, you don't yeah, tell like, the rest of you the cast yeah what you're what you're feeling mm. or so absolutely. So there was a bit in my current show, observational, um, where it is an uplifting show at the end, and I mentioned something, and it's ninety nine percent true, and I where the variations differ is that if I'm talking about I'm just thinking about what's a plot spoiler. Yeah, if I'm talking about laying in bed, uh, unable to move with a bad back, this is not the reality, but this is an example. If I if I say to people, oh, I'm laying in bed with a bad back and I'm unable to move, that would make the audience feel like, oh, sorry for you or whatever, but, you know, it's, it doesn't get them down. If you mm. say I was depressed and I was laying in mm. bed, unable mm. to move, mm. it puts a whole new different downer on it that you mm. potentially don't need, mm-hmm. you know? So you can take the emotion of feeling low, not tell the audience what what really happened, so you can get that uplifting message out of it mm-hmm. without bogging the audience yeah, down yeah, yeah, in the reality of the tragedy. Great, because the yeah. they will think what they, what they want anyway, and yeah. it keeps it light and flowing rather than, yeah, as you say, yeah. rather than just kind of just anchor yourself to that Yeah, and it's sadness. the same thing. You're, you get into that... It's a trigger words, isn't it? Because, yeah. of course, depression, like, oh, great, now, now that everyone's thinking about depression, and, <laughs> and then they're like, oh, no, this isn't going to go somewhere tragic where it can yeah. go much, much deeper. One word can change the whole course of the material and how it's perceived, certainly at the end, and it's something I've only thought about in the last year or so, and mm. I've stumbled across it really... In terms of, well, certainly in observational, it's unlike other shows I've done. Audiences are leaving the auditorium, room below a pub, um, the auditorium (laughs) uplifted and saying things like, that's the best thing I've ever seen. And they're saying that because they're uplifted. Mm. They're feeling positive. And of course, I've ended shows on a high and you always try and do that. But there's a difference between ending the shows on a high because of a joke and ending the shows on a truly uplifting, positive message, life affirming, send the audience out with a, you know, with a skip. And also if you're doing a free show, digging into their pockets mm. for tens and 20 pounds, mm-hmm. which is, which is what they are doing with the show. Yeah. You won the Malcolm Hardy award. Is it in 2012? Right? I was nominated. You nominated, right? I was nominated. Yeah. For, um, what did I do that year? Is it was... pay to play? The pay... <laughs> you paid Yes, them. I was giving, yes, <laughs> that's right. giving them to play. I love it. It's great. It's great. Yeah. And, and then, uh, it, was it was called three pounds. So I was giving yeah. the audience a pound when they came in. Cause it was a show about generosity. Mm. So I felt that if I gave them a pound, to start with the rule was you keep that pound I don't get that pound back at the end of the gig but if you want to give me other money at the end of the gig then please do so I was hoping they would give me five pounds at the end of the gig from their pocket and keep the pounds 
and uh, yeah, that was a that was a really good show to uh, a really good experience seeing the dynamic there. But fun, isn't it? You've yeah. you've already you've invested in them rather than than them investing in you first. You're like, look, uh, you know, you're taking a gamble. You're literally taking a gamble. Yeah, yeah. Uh, wasn't it uh, answer on? Is it Landbrooks or something? Yeah, that or... was the following year. So I gave I gave a one pound bet the uh-huh. following year on me winning the Edinburgh Comedy Award. So I became the favourite for the Edinburgh Company Award that year, just based on the fact that everyone was betting on me mm. while I was giving out the one-pound bets. Crazy. And I became like the 10-to-one favourite for the Edinburgh Company Award very early on. Mm. And um, <laughs> But yeah, it was cool. I've always tried to do experimental stuff. Mm. And I was talking to another comedian about this again the other day, that if you... For me, I think if you're putting out experimental stuff every year... Things might happen over and above your plans. So that mm. happened that year. So the Edinburgh Comedy Awards, I gave out the one pound bets, became the favourite, and I. Uh, it's the first time I've actually talked about what I did here. So just to confirm what I did for anyone that was a bit confused as to what happened that year, mm. I cloned the Edinburgh. This is really going to blackball me from the Edinburgh Comedy Awards <laughs> if my jokes haven't done it anyway. I cloned, but they probably know this, I cloned the Edinburgh Comedy Awards site. Mm. <laughs> and I bought a domain name called edinburghcomedyaward.com. Mm. And the real award, I think, is called comedyaward.co.uk. So mm. I bought a domain name, very similar, mm-hmm. Edinburgh Comedy Award. I cloned the site so it looked identical. Mm-hmm. And uh, on the day that it was announced, I had it all ready. It was live. And the five nominees were me and my friends. It was me, Mark Dolan, Milo McCabe, Russell Kane, who had won it mm-hmm. like three years previously, <laughs> so was ineligible, mm. and uh, Patrick Monaghan. So they were the five nominees. Mm. So And then I got all of those guys with their thousands of followers to tweet it. So it was the moment the button was pressed on the real nominees, I pressed my button. All the tweets were flying around saying, these are the five nominees. And uh, I thought it would be funny, but then things started to happen, which (laughs) you couldn't control. Uh Firstly, that friends would leave messages on my Mm -hmm. phone, Mm -hmm. gushy messages. This is the one I felt sorry about, (laughs) saying, oh, Nathan, I've known you for so many years. You deserve this, you know. Um, So that's the one I felt sorry about, right? But the one that really got me was, uh, and people may have got into trouble for this, so I I do apologise if that happened, but hey, comedy's all about being slightly subversive. (laughs) We got on the official edfringe.com website, front page, as the official nominees. Mm. And we were on that website for the whole day and into the morning of the following day for 24 hours as the official nominees. Mm. And again, it's something really silly, but it's just like... Yes! Yes! (laughs) uh, It it just made me... It just made me excited. Great. In terms That's of, so um, fun, man. That is such a fun thing to do. It's like, <laughs> yeah. I've, I've, I've won. It doesn't matter what happens now. I have beaten the Edinburgh Fringe. Yeah, <laughs> it's great. It's just, people get so serious oh. about it. And I hope I hope people, unless they lost their job about it, who put me on that website. I'm sure they That's haven't. Funny. We're in this game for comedy. Yeah. And, you know, I love Kaufman and all these kind of magical things that you mm. can do with comedy. Yes, we can get up and tell jokes. But I've just wanted over the years to do something um, over and above that. And of course, people have called that gimmicks and stuff. So what I've done the last year with this observational show, there is no gimmick there. Mm. But I'm trying to create something over and above the jokes. And I've Mm. always tried to do that. Mm -hmm. So with this show, hopefully there's this magical, uplifting 
and feeling over and above the actual jokes that uh, people are left with and you're harnessing, rather than a free pound. And you're harnessing your uh, the joy that you've got at the moment, right? That's what it is. Yeah, harnessing the joy I've got. So I was actually, I was planning a show about kind of low points in my life, you mm. know, a couple of years ago. And I just canned it. I said to my tech, well, I did a like work in progress of it. And it, mm. it went really well and the audience enjoyed it. But mm. this thing about Baby Reindeer as well, sorry to keep, you have a choice mm-hmm. when you go through these things. Do you keep talking about it or not? You know, it's something I will talk to Richard about in terms of... Uh, you know, that choice that he's made. And obviously the choice has uh, been spectacularly successful for him. But surely it comes at a at a cost to mm. a certain extent because you're talking about these things every day. You're reminding mm. yourselves of the low points rather than using those. But it's a choice you make. And of course, when you've been through um, things that he's been through and what other people have been mm. through, it can create a spectacular show, which it has obviously in his case. Mm. Do you want to pick that scab every night or do you want to like let it heal? Exactly. Hear? Exactly. So per- personally, I wanted to let it heal mm-hmm. and forget about it. But I love your, I love your, your gimmicks in the past. Because whenever I go yeah. to Fringe, I was like, oh, there's Nathan's poster. <laughs> what has he got this year? Because yeah. the, the one I really enjoyed was Man in the Arena. Is it? Yeah. That was great. And I was like, oh, sold out. So I was like, this looks amazing. <laughs> I'm like, that's Nathan. Yeah. He's like, oh, some dates left at the, on August in Edinburgh Fringe. <laughs> it's yeah, great. Yeah. It's so great. I had, I had about 25, 30 arena dates mm. all sold out. Mm. One left, I think, at the O2 as well mm. on November, in November after yeah. the Fringe. And let's say, uh, so I don't give the name away, mm. it was a, the chief comedy correspondent for a very famous publication. Mm. Let's say that. She or he, <laughs> giving nothing away, came up to me uh, a couple of days into the fringe and went, Nathan, I've seen your poster. Congratulations. I didn't realise you were playing arenas. I'm like, you are the chief comedy correspondent. You yeah. know who I am. Mm. You know my level. Mm. You know I'm not an arena comedian. Mm. Why is it so easy to fool people? Mm. I tell you why it's so easy. And I'm talking about this in my show this year. And I've talked about it previously. You say something out loud and people believe you. Mm. Whatever mm. it is. Yeah. Things I'm saying on this podcast, I could be lying. Mm. I could have no children. Get to know me. <laughs> Whether you're in my house, you can see little pens. You're giving clues away. Mm. There's Star Wars boxes over there. There's mm. table football. They're the clues. People... It might just be traps. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> people lie. People, um, yeah, you never know what's going That's on with it. someone. It's, it's weird, that, isn't it? You kind of go, oh, God, I didn't know they were in that. On that t- TV show or that that TV um, the channel or whatever, you go, oh, they were, and they, yeah, and you, but you know them, you know them, you know some of you are like, yeah. mm, okay, but it's uh, yeah, it's interesting. It's like you're just seeing it online, it just like oh, it makes it a reality of some yeah, kind. Yeah, yeah. I mean, strange. you see anything online, and people talk about fake news all the time. It's like fake news is a problem, but then they believe anything. They believe what stand ups say. They believe what you say. Personally, it's uh, so that was an interesting thing with that man in the arena. That uh, it's something I've used in anything I've done, that you just put a big enough poster in Edinburgh and people believe you. I did something else. I did the, I did the MC Awards, which was probably mm. the favourite thing I did in Edinburgh. Terrier Awards? Was it the Terrier Awards, was it? No, that was called the... What was it called? It was called... Uh, whatever it was, it was the World's Best MC Award. Mm. But I think I did a win an award for doing that show. Mm. The Terrier Award mm. was the award that I won for doing that show, I think. 
I've won so many awards. <laughs> <laughs> you forget. I mean, I believe it now. I mean, <laughs> yeah, it's, yeah. it's like the um, the the Terry Award. Is that like because it sounds like an award that you would give somebody for just not quitting, just carrying on, you know, just <laughs> well, hanging in there. I think it was a there. play on words for the Perrier. I think it was like a yeah, but whatever it was. Um, but no, the MC awards that I did was a was a kind of fake fake awards mm. for MC. So the joke was that it would be six MCs in a row mm. just doing MCing. So I would come on as the MC, talk to the crowd, ask them their name, your name's Chris, what do you do for a living? Each MC <laughs> would then do a variation on that. That's great. And they would all introduce each other. We had a proper yeah. judge. We had the Malcolm Hardy Award judge, John Fleming, judging it, you know, supposedly. Yeah. But then the, the joke at the end is that um, I thought I was such a good MC for the mm. night that I should be considered for the MC award mm. as well. Mm. So uh, I implore all the three people listening to this to um, <laughs> to, <laughs> to go and... Uh, they, it's on YouTube. It's on my website uh, under mm. clips. It's one of the funniest things I think I've done. And uh, people still talk about it. Nick Helm was in it, and he always mentions it to me. Great. As uh, such, a, such a fun thing to do. The clip. And there's an extended clip, I think, on YouTube of about 25 minutes. Nick Helm... You know, you've got Chris Turner in it doing a rap mm. saying, oh, I think I've turned up as the wrong kind of MC. Yeah. <laughs> you had Mark Silcox in it. I mean, it's just, yeah, it's spectacular. That funny. sounds so, so funny. It just, it just it comes like a, a Inception MCing, isn't it, really? Because you're like, <laughs> okay, what do you do? Oh, we've got to turn this upside down. What do you don't do? What do you not do? It's all this kind of like weird yeah. like but things. It, like... But again, it's like that was on Chortle that year. It's like... Uh... Uh, there's an MC awards and there's a because I was offering a five thousand pound prize. Oh. And he was saying, "Well, maybe it's not all as it seems." No, of course it's not all as it seems. It's a joke. <laughs> it's a joke. It's comedy. Yeah. Five thousand um, pounds. I'm offering five thousand pounds as a prize. I'm in Edinburgh, right? Yeah, oh yeah. my god. Yeah. So, and you, did you? Because you talked about. I think I heard you say once on stage you were, you were a banker before. Is that right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I worked in banking. Um, so that's the the only job I've done really, day job apart from mm. comedy. So yeah, I worked for a, for a bank. And... Funny bank around two thousand and eight, right? Yeah, it's like yeah, 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 yeah. We'll buy all those shares. It's fine. Keep buying them. Yeah. Keep buying them. Yeah, yeah. God, I mean, I I saw it all. I yeah. Um, was yeah. that in two thousand and eight? You finished there? Or, or no, no. It? I finished a few years after that, but I was definitely around in two thousand and eight. I saw it all happen. Oh, I right. um I've written a book about it. Oh, I've um. What's it called? It's called. Uh... We're fucked. <laughs> yeah, it's called We're fucked. Um, Bitcoin, but... buy now. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I've told I've told the story of that, and um, yeah, right. there is a there. There's Sorry, a, what's it called? There's there's a, a, what's the name? Of it's it? called I Cause the Financial Crash of oh. 2008, and so yeah, because right. I was uh, I was involved to a certain extent. Uh-huh. Right. Great. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> so, yeah, yeah. Anyway, and that's the end of the podcast. <laughs> yeah. So, no, no, no. Yeah. It's 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 only because I've I you know I, it's a show I did yeah again a couple of years ago uh. and um, you know you kind of I don't know you move on from these things oh, and right. you forget about them. It's like oh yeah you reminded me I did work like an old girlfriend and, um, yeah so all these things you're reminding me of I'm like oh, fuck yes I did do that uh. and uh, I'm only thinking about I guess the current thing and the thing. I'm thinking about the thing I'm doing now and I'm thinking a year in advance rather than going back. But yeah, it's nice yeah. to revisit these things. Sort of like, sort of like a, I mean, a, a regretful, is it a regretful relationship? So, oh yeah, that was a relationship I had. It went okay, you know, and then, <laughs> you, but we've moved on. Yeah, that's it. Yeah, I mean, uh, part of why I'm happy now is I'm doing this full-time yeah. comedy and, uh, you know, things related to it. So yeah, I guess talking about the bank, it was... Uh, 
you know, it, it, it gave me a bit of money, but certainly, um, you know, not as much happiness. Yeah. As Excel is not as, Excel's not fun as it really is. Not fun. No, no, certainly not. Yeah. No. So, uh, is how many shows you've done? You're not, is it four shows? Am I right with that, or five shows? Um, uh, Edinburgh shows. Uh, yeah, I've done more than that. Mm. You, you've got to you've got to look at my Wikipedia page more thoroughly. Uh, damn it! <laughs> <laughs> it keeps getting deleted. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah it's all lies anyway. Yeah, yes. I've done ten shows. Oh yeah. Yeah, I've done uh, every year since two thousand and ten. Mm. Maybe it's only four that I talk about because they were the successful ones. <laughs> Maybe they're the only ones I list. No, but they're all on my website. Yeah, yeah you can uh, you can look back at the archives. I've done uh, yeah, two thousand ten was my first show, mm. and I've done a different show every year. And what was? Do you know the the names of your shows? I do. Go do on for to, it. Do you want to drop them all? Off? I, I want to test you. Here we you. go. 2010, The Frog That Said Sausages. <laughs> Straight in there. 2011, Fantastica. 2012, Free Pound. I gave out a free pound. Mm-mm. 2013, Edinburgh Comedy Award winner. 2014, mm. Day to Death. We've talked about it. Mm. 2015, Back to the Future. One, mm. two and three. I did three shows in Edinburgh that year. 2016, 42. About the meaning of life. Mm which was one of my favourite shows. Mm. Um, and then Man in the Arena, which we've talked about. Mm. Then I caused the financial crash of 2008. And then it was Observational this year, mm. work in progress. Cool. And I have, uh, I'm going to do Observational into the new year and throughout mm. next year. And mm. I've got a new show, which I can't give away the title of mm-hmm. just yet, but I'm very, very excited about. So you're coming to 11 shows now? I think that's my eleventh. Is it yeah, next yeah, year? Right. Yeah. Next year will be eleventh. Yeah. So, um, so have you filmed any of them? Like, uh, like I'll put them on, uh, put them out there. Apart from the MC uh, show that you were saying. Yeah, I've I haven't over the years, and I'm definitely going to do it this yeah. year. I'm already in plans to film uh, Observational. I'm doing it at the Leicester Comedy Festival at the Brilliant Cookie. Mm. Doing a couple of nights, so it's just a, such a lovely venue. I'm doing a Saturday night there, so it should just be lovely. So I will film Observational. I don't know why I haven't. I've always released clips. I've always mm. filmed them and released clips, but I've never f- released the whole show. Mm. Um, this one, I'm just so proud of, Observational. Mm. That, uh, I mean, I've been proud of other shows, but uh, I guess it's just not been on my mind. But the more people have done it over the last year, here's my special. Mm-hmm. Here's my slick, you know, looks like a Netflix special. Mm. But of course, it's just on YouTube. But mm-hmm. uh, I will release this at some point, probably over the, towards the end of the, the year. Mm. It's got a... Um, it's got a few surprises in it, so I don't want to give the game away mm-hmm. too early. Probably probably the end of next year, I'll release something online. Maybe I'll try and get it on something like Next Stuff or something like Great. that as well. Yeah. And what's the show you've absolutely hated? You've kind of gone back on, oh, for fuck's sake, that was all. <laughs> I hated doing that. It was such a... Oh, i got to do this again. <laughs> yeah. I, I haven't... I don't look back and hate any shows. I look back at um, some of the reviews I've got from previous shows and think I can understand Mm. why someone may have taken against that more than Mm. other shows. It is that some shows I will... Edinburgh is very difficult to do a show at any festival when you're doing a show for a month over and over again. So previously I've got bored with shows and Mm. I think that's shown... And so when you get a critic or an audience member in two or three weeks in and they give you a kind of review like, oh, you looked a bit tired and knackered. It's like, yes, I'd done my back in. I was in and out mm. of a- A&E. And also I was saying the same things over and over again. So that was the 42 show. I gave the audience 42 options. They picked 10 and I did a different show every night. So I had 42 mm. bits mm. and I just did 10 
you know, I had a structure which I'd stick to, but like the, 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 the 10 different bits. So that fired my belly in terms mm. of I can, starting with improvisational comedy, moving away from that because the clubs didn't really like it. I went back into that kind of semi-improvisational, improvising a structure rather mm. than the material. So that fired my belly in terms of this is what I could do in Edinburgh, that I could do a slightly different thing every day. So they did a choice of 10 shows? It was a choice of 42 Four. words on cards. Yeah. They would pick 10. Got you. And I would do bits. those 10 bits in the show, mm-hmm. um, which, again, a reviewer picked out and said he must have been cheating it. But no, it was very easy. I just mm. had to learn yeah. more, for three, maybe three times the, the amount of material yeah. for a show. Great. But now the current trick is just because I've just got this thing. I hate to keep banging on about it, mm. but I, it's because I've landed upon it and it's filled yeah. my heart with such joy. Because I've landed on something that is going down so well in terms of being uplifting and mm. in terms of giving people... A real, um, a real buzz. Um, I look forward to this show now mm. uh, so much, and I don't think I'm going to get bored of it because you don't get bored of giving people that feeling. Mm-hmm. And maybe I got bored previously of laugh. The laughter is just that's the minimum. Mm. Now I'm hoping to go one level above that, and I have done that in this show mm. virtually every time I've done it. And you see people's reactions, and I guess it's the difference between, well. A comedian and hopefully a better comedian but also kind of doing music and doing these other things other art forms like theater you can move people in different ways you know in music you can come out of a gig and go oh my god that was the greatest thing oh my god i've got to tell everyone about this it's rarer that you have that in comedy you go oh that was hilarious you've got to go and see that rather than literally you've got to go and see this and actually this is what i'm doing now with this show more than any of I haven't done this before. Friends, family, I'm saying, come and see this show. Mm-hmm. Like, please come and see this show. And previously I've been like, yeah, come and see it. Yeah, mm-hmm. definitely, of course, mm-hmm. come and see it. But I'm saying, no, really mm-hmm. come and see this show. Mm-hmm. I'm really um, I'm really proud of it. And after 10 years, you think you've earned the right to say, this is good now. Mm-hmm. This is proper good. Mm-hmm. Um, so, you know, it'll still improve and you'll probably see reviews for this show next year and go, it was rubbish, but it's not. It's mm-hmm. great. Observational, <laughs> great. I mean, you can't really you talk about how you shouldn't. Follow, we don't want to follow the, the the sadness. You have you use that emotion, but deliver mm. the opposite. But it's like when you like you go to a gig and like say um, you see someone and the audience for some reason maybe they haven't gelled with the MC or something, mm. and they're deliberately no reason at all. Just they've gone. No, we don't like this. We're funnier than the act, you know. Right. And then and then the uh, and then they've been and this maybe they start taking the piss out of the acts like that. And then you know sometimes when you kind of do you ever, I don't you feel this. You feel that you. You want to protect not the the other. You should like go. No, this is the, not the way this should be. This is becoming us and uh, you and them. Mm. And then I, I that sometimes that really I I, I get very angry about mm. that. I kind of go look. I mean, but I wouldn't take it out. I go look. This is you've been deliberately uh, obtuse to that person who's on stage, mm. and then the, the the they were just trying to give you everything they had, mm. you know. But not not sad necessarily sadness, but comedy, you know. And yeah. then then they just were like just just constantly. Um, taking the legs from under him like that and just you know when it was someone in the front row as being a dick right they're not necessarily the figurehead for the whole night but mm. that that emotion you can you're off stage you'll see that and you've got right I'm on next <laughs> okay I've got to just really I'm going to dig in here and that's the emotion because you're doing one thing aren't you but inside there's something else isn't there and yeah. they don't know what that is but that can happen the opposite way sometimes isn't it say if you've had an argument with someone you're doing a show with <laughs> and then you go right okay and they go right before you start the show go right you are you're today 
you were going to do a set, but no, you're emceeing now. You're like, oh, I'm not going to do a set. I want to do it. And then you try to leave that alone there, but it's inside you and you take it up there, but they see what's in you rather than what you're saying, you know, that kind of yeah. thing. That's the same sort of thing as the trick you're talking about, right? The But in, in an uplifting on the outside, but 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 uh, heart on the inside, you know what I mean? If that, that makes sense to you. Yeah, well, you, you, you certainly never know what's going through people's heads mm. and certainly things this ha- actually happened to me on a Saturday night uh, someone said something to me just before I went on stage mm-hmm. and I'm like don't say this five <laughs> seconds before I go on stage and of course you're getting up there going way yeah. not that I would do that way <laughs> <laughs> boom away <laughs> um, yeah. but yeah what's going through your head in that first minute is something mm. very different and uh, yeah all the things you say are all the dynamics of a comedy night you've got a terrible front row or the, mm. the audience takes some warming up and it's the old duck and the paddling they don't see the workings mm, in your mm. brain you're constantly i'm doing my own podcast if i can plug this uh, about them, the yeah. um, psychology of stand-up comedy called called psychomedy so that's that's talking about what's going through your head before during and after gigs and of course you know that's very interesting because often what's going through your i mean often a gig is the space where you totally forget about stuff but second by second when those things are happening then uh, you have to make those split-second decisions in your head to keep the gig afloat sometimes. Mm. What's the hardest thing you've had to overcome to become a stand-up comedian? I don't think it's... I don't think it's hard, particularly for me, because as I said at the top, I feel like I am a stand-up, so Mm. that's why it's joyous doing stand-up because I think I'm a stand-up in my soul. It is a difficult job, the travel, the being away from friends and family, the, the, the solitude is hard. The industry is obviously sometimes problematic. The personalities are sometimes problematic. They throw up challenges in your way uh, mm. all the time. But if you love the art, then it's nothing is going to be too much of a problem because at least I can get on stage tonight. Mm. I think it's what Stuart Lee said when he, when he dropped away from stand-up, mm. that he, he just feared that it would be taken away from him, you know, his mm. love, stand-up. Mm. And it can never be taken away from you. Things can be taken away from you. Mm. Opportunities can be taken away from you. But actually getting up on stage and making people laugh, even if I did that, you know, a gig with five people in it, you know, they can, you can't take that away mm. <laughs> necessarily <laughs> unless you ban me from that particular gig. But yeah, when you have such a love for stand up as I do, mm. it, there's always going to be a happiness there, and the challenges will be overcome because at the end of the day, you're doing something that you love. Yeah. Mm. Okay, so as a, I like to ask this question every time I, I do the podcast. It's mm. like, as a, do you see yourself as a particular archetype? of like a of a of a like a trade of some kind in comedy like you know you know like i like you know like a you have a um sort of like a a model of 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 yourself as a as a stand up you're a stand up but you're also like a like say you know if for example if you're playing a game of dungeons and dragons you'd mm. be the elf 
or like what would you be you see yourself as like okay for example I, Jim Owen right I, Jim Owen love yeah. Jim Owen he's like a comedy nymph like you know the comedy like kind of kind of uh, like kind of elf elven sort of like weird kind of facial features he's all kind of you know do you know what I mean you, you're, you're like a cartoon you know like but but like a kind of mysterious elf sort of thing that's yeah. the kind of like that's why I see him as but yourself if you have it's a hard question but if you know if you've ever gone you know what I'm, I'm more like like that. You so, tell me next time and I'll no, buy No, 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 I'm going to answer it. I'll buy some time by yeah. talking about Jim Owen and he's yeah. absolutely brilliant. Mm. I chatted to him in Edinburgh this year mm. and uh, he's got my, one of my favourite opening lines, probably my favourite opening line to a show ever. He comes on and just says, so what else is funny? He's <laughs> <laughs> just like, it's so mm. lovely. Mm. What else is funny? It's just mm. like... Yeah, I guess, I guess it's... Uh, I guess the word has probably changed over the last couple of years it's um you know as i say i really have changed as as an artist the last couple of years that i would you know tend to talk about the things that i've been through and you know if i've been to a low point and again not that it would create a low show it was, um you know but there would be a um i talk about those emotions and i talked about them in day to death which was a lovely show and uh, so, you know, the the words you might have used for me there is kind of like raw and, um, you know, uh, or slightly, you know, slight arrogance, like uh, somebody, some, one of my best friends called me insouciant and I had to, had to look it up, kind mm. of insouciant. If anyone asked me who I'm a bit like, it would be kind of like, a, you know, down the kind of Bill Burr mm. road. Um, but now, actually, with this current show, as I say... Like, like a rage monster, basically. Is that yeah, what you're saying? Yeah. yeah, Well, that's it. It's... it's Yeah, that, that, that's a better words than I could have come up with. Yeah, a rage monster. That, that would have been maybe a couple of years ago. Mm. That is in there still now. Mm. But there's a rage monster... A rage monster? A rage <laughs> monster with spirituality mm. and hope and, uh, and happiness um, after kind of what's happened to me over the last year. It's been a... It's, you know, I tell the story in observational and I'm going to tell the ongoing story in my new show about what's happened. And uh, it's truly, you know, um, if I could, uh, the word that I've said so much in this podcast is uplifting. And it's a word I haven't, I haven't mm. used before in my comedy. Mm. And why? Why haven't I been searching for something? It's been uplifting. It's the obvious thing to leave people feeling mm -hmm. after a comedy show. But actually, if you think about all the favourite comedians that you like, probably uplifting is not necessarily one of the words mm -hmm. that you think of. Bill Burr isn't uplifting, mm -hmm. but I love him. Mm. Um, so that's what I'm trying to be. I'm trying to be that uh, the, the person that makes you feel good at the end of the show, but truly um, enriched spiritually but you know that's a wanky um no, thing but, to but i think after 10 years it's like uh let's aim let's aim high here yeah let's try and bring everyone up for a change but yeah. like when you when i ask you that question so what you are uh, as what, what would you see yourself as um like mm. a, as an archetype in comedy mm. i love the way the sun just came through the window it and did, hit yeah. you then it's it like did. i am the comedy <laughs> jesus <laughs> you know what i've never been i say this in my show this year i've never been religious i've never been spiritual but one or two things mm. have happened uh one thing i mentioned oh. in obs an observation one thing i'll talk about in my new show truly it's like they make you start to believe in magic they make yeah. you start to believe in Look at it. Look at the way the sun shining on me. Yeah. It's up, previously, and still 99% of me is thinking, well, obviously it's just come out between the clouds. Yeah. But you know what? Yeah. It wasn't there before. I'm starting to believe, 
and um, mm, that's great. I said this to a person yeah. the other day, and uh, they know who they are. It's mm. just like um, I believe in magic now, and yeah. um, you know, it's yeah. a really lovely thing to believe in. Synchronicity and like you know why not? It's, it's again yeah. more uplifting. It, 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 why not be happy rather than miserable? Well, like it is nothing else. This yeah. this is just the it's just one uh, bit of good news to the next bit of good news. Hey, look, you're, you're well, you're actually alive today. You got up today. This is it's yeah. all great. And then you the, you more. I think I I, I, I I synchronicity and like sort of like uh, some sort of like coincidence coincidences in your life. I mean, so why not? Why why wouldn't that happen? You work towards it. You've done eleven show eleven shows. I mean, yeah. you've, you've put in the time and it's momentum, isn't it? Yeah, yeah. But also something. Believing in, you know, I talk about this in my show that mm. I've never been religious, and but I really have always loved people that are religious, mm. and they always seem happier, they always seem calmer, mm. they always seem more hopeful, and of course they do, particularly as they get older. And it's not like I've um, have religion now, but I have more belief, and uh, as I say, a belief in magic and uh, spirituality and yeah. things happening for a reason, yeah. and it has made me happier. And if nothing else, that makes me happier. That makes the people around me happier. Mm. So something's working, even if there's nothing actually in reality there. So Nathan, we can find you at every week at the Nice and Spiky. Yes, Mondays at Nice and Spiky. If you want to see me do develop my new material, mm. then uh, come and see me there. But otherwise, all my gigs are listed at NathanCassidy.com. Mm. And uh, at Nathan Cassidy. At Nathan Cassidy on Twitter, mm. the Nathan Cassidy because I'm still that arrogant prick. <laughs> the... the Nathan Cassidy on Instagram, and um, yes, you can come yeah. and find me in Hackney as well. I'll be walking around, and my address is. No. <laughs> <laughs> well, and we can find you at Psychomedy. 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 Psychomedy.co.uk. And your show is going to be go observational. It's going to be at the Edinburgh Fringe this year. Observational at the Edinburgh Fringe, at the Leicester Comedy Festival, at right. the Brighton Fringe, and my new show will be a work in progress next year. So, uh, as I said to you, uh, I've never done this before, but I will say, everyone, come. It's going to be very, very good. Uplifting. Hey. <laughs> Uplifting is <laughs> the word. Hey, Nathan, thanks for your time, mate. Oh, thanks so much, man. It was great. Cheers. And that was episode 80 with a very funny Nathan Cassidy. This has been one of my favourite episodes to listen to and to and just edit as well because all the little tips here. Nathan comes off from this episode looking like the original Fringe prankster. And what a genius idea to, to clone the Fringe Awards website. I mean, really, the Fringe is doing his marketing for him in the end. Just goes to show what you can do if you use your imagination. You can make the Fringe work for you. Uh, so yeah, that was episode 80. I hope you enjoyed it. If you liked it, sh- share it, tell your friends. And uh, you know what? Like You can donate to the podcast, go to Patreon, type in The Comedy Defect Podcast, donate as little or as much as you want. And if you can't donate, as I say, share your favourite episode. That was Nathan Cassidy. He's at the Nice and Spiky gig in the Regent's Pub, and that is in Angel every Monday night. Uh, of course, lockdown is lifting now, so he'll be back there again. Every Monday night, you'll see him emceeing it, doing about an hour. Uh, <laughs> he's great, though. I uh, love Nathan. He's a really lovely guy, really funny guy, too. Uh, go and check him out if you ever on a bill. And so that was episode 80. And next month for, I guess, the last Wednesday of the month Christmas special, we've got Leo Curse. He's labelled himself as a right-wing comedian. He's a very funny guy. One Scottish comedian of the year. That is for episode 81. Until then... Follow us, like us, share us, do all that stuff if you want to. If you don't, don't worry about it. And that is episode 80. Until we have confirmation that we're out of lockdown, I'll see you at the end of December.